Texas podcast today i have a special guest brad taylor author of a bunch of my favorite novels the pike logan series how's it going brad it's going well thanks for having me uh, this is great you know uh, i just have to say i called a month ago thinking that it was on the uh in november so it's kind of nice to actually get you on the phone this time <laughs> yeah actually my wife told me i was <laughs> out of town <laughs> i think you were on a flight when i called i'm like oh this is a this is a real professional uh, podcast I got going on. Actually, she blamed me. She said, you forgot about an interview. I was like, no, I didn't. And she was on the phone with me at the same time. It was great. I heard the whole conversation. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's uh, my fault. <laughs> well, Brad, I really appreciate it. And um, I got hooked on your um, The One Rough Man. That was your first novel. I believe it was 2011. It was that long ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 2011 it came out. Wow, it's a great series, and it follows the, uh, an ex-unit guy uh, just all over the world. Just, It's a really great series. And the reason we have you on today is because you have another book coming out of the whole series, right? Yeah, Hunter Killer comes out January 7th. That's a great time, um, right around the corner. Now, are you um, is this following the, the complete series? Are you going to have any spinoffs or anything like that? Uh, I, I've toyed with it, but so far I haven't done anything. I, I, I write a lot of short stories as well, and uh, novellas really, they're like 30,000 words, which is about a quarter of a full-length book. And in those, I've had pretty much spinoffs. I've had uh, Aaron and Shoshana, these Israeli assassins, do their mm-hmm. own thing. I've had one with Jess Knuckles and Decoy do their own thing. So I've had spinoffs in that sense, but not in a full-length novel. And you could tell when you're writing it, it must have taken a lot from your background. Now, have you had to have what your, um, your first couple... Uh, reviewed by DOD, or do they just kind of clear and cut? They let you go. No, there's a uh, there's kind of a misconception about that. You know, when you hear things saying that uh, Vince Flynn had to get his books reviewed, or Tom Clancy had to get his book reviewed, fiction is fiction. Um, and according to DOD uh, pre-publication re- review guidelines, if I write anything nonfiction about anything from ranging from policy in Syria to my own autobiography or something like that, that's got to be reviewed because. I'm representing my own past as a DOD representative, and so it's got to be reviewed. But fiction, I mean, where do you draw the line on that? So I wrote, say I wrote a, a science fiction book. Does that have to be reviewed? Or, you know, where, does, where do you draw the line at? Say I'm writing a book about, uh, as a military member of the United States, I write a book that's completely about the Guatemalan Special Forces. Does that have to be reviewed? I never served in Guatemala. I have no idea what they're about. So uh, fiction does not have to be reviewed, even though people seem to think it does. Oh, that's good. You'd, obviously, um, you'd be really stuck in the, a quagmire because uh, you've had uh, tons of books come out since 2011. Well, that's not to say they haven't been reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, No Easy Day came out, the, uh, you know everybody kind of lost their mind because he did not have that book reviewed uh, about the uh, uh, targeting of Osama bin Laden. And so anybody in SOCOM who had written a book, I, you know, they were all reviewed. And I was in the SCIF, and I got interrogated and everything like that and came out with clean bill of health. There's no classified in them. I mean, I wouldn't put classified in them. Far from doing that, I put red herrings in there that if you want to read my book and figure out how to do something, go ahead and do it. You're going to get a, you know, a missile up your butt if you do. <laughs> so. Well, let's talk about your background a little bit. Um, 
the army and did you did you go straight commission or were you enlisted before that? Uh, I was kind of enlisted, I guess you'd say. I was in the guard for a couple of years before I took my commission, so I don't really count that. But yeah, that's cool. So infantry was it, and then did you go infantry straight to SF or infantry unit? Or? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was 19 Delta in the guard, but then I went. Uh, I was commissioned infantry officer. Uh, served uh, a few years at Fort Ord, and then went to SFAS Special Forces Assessment Selection, and then did a tour duty over in uh, Okinawa, Japan, with first at first Special Forces Group. Oh, very cool. And, you know, reading your bio says you were born in Okinawa, so was that kind of cool going back what? home? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I left there when I was like six months old, but what is uh. cool about it is uh, the uh, my daughter was born over there, and um, she was born in the same hospital I was, and I asked them about the birthing rooms, and they apparently haven't changed the birthing rooms from the 60s, and they, so there's a one in four chance my daughter was born in the same room I was in. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's funny because, I, you know, I was in the military, but popped around a bunch, and when I ended up... Uh, Having kids, uh, probably you know, 15 years into our our marriage, we were living in New Jersey, so it was like full circle back to where I was born, and my my kids were born about 40 minutes from where I was born, so it was really neat. Yeah. <laughs> now we have the same birth certificates, uh, New Jersey, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Only difference when my daughter got born, she got a passport immediately, which I'd never seen before. So we've got this passport of hers, a you know, two month old infant. Oh my god, that's so awesome. So when, when did your military career end? Uh, retired in 2010. Okay, cool. And you were um, you were the unit most of the time, or, or how'd that work out? Uh, about half, I guess. I, I mean, I did a tour in Okinawa, and then I went to unit selection, and then spent the rest of the time there. Uh, my last assignment was at the Citadel, actually. I was an instructor down here at the military college at Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, it's like a dream job for me as a teacher at the Citadel. Because I'm a I'm a huge fan of Charleston. I've been out there for uh, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Oh yeah, that thing uh, I is love it. Pain in my butt. Because <laughs> was <laughs> well, it used to be easy to get a uh, CAT card, DOD card uh, on uh, the best place to go was the Coast Guard. Oh uh, yeah, they didn't have anybody there, and because you had to do it from the Air Force Base, you had to get an appointment, and wait forever, but you could walk right in the Coast Guard base. Well, then they moved their ID card section over to Fletchy. Uh-huh. Well, I showed up there with my daughter to get her an ID card, a dependent ID card. And we filled out the forms to get on post, and I was born in Okinawa, and she was born in Okinawa. And they took that and said, we need a, a separate form of ID to prove you're an American. Now, oh, I had an ID uh, saying I'm a United States Lieutenant Colonel of the United States Army, along with my driver's license and everything else. And they wanted me to go home to get a passport so I could get on post, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> Should have handed them a book. I have a, yeah. uh, last, I came back from Germany a couple months ago, and uh, the guy at the, the – one of the – they put me in secondary. They're like, hey, you're just traveling with a backpack. And I'm like, yeah. So we go through it, we go through it, we go through it. I'm like, look, man, I happen to have a book with me because I, I wrote a book about the border, and you know, I was a customs special agent. I said, here, here's a book. This is who I am. I'm not smuggling any dope. There's no contraband. I don't have wads of cash. Did you have a badge? Wouldn't that be enough? I'm not, well, I was traveling overseas. I didn't bring it with me. I didn't want to uh, – Highlight I didn't want to highlight, and plus, if I lost the thing overseas, oh my gosh, can you possibly imagine that? So, uh, yeah, it was exciting, and I'm like, it just after a while, you're just kind of like, hey, you know, I understand security, but let's uh, let's be use common sense. Well, luckily, I had a uh, one of those cruise ship passports in my wallet that you can use, you know, to oh, yeah. around the Caribbean. And I said, will that work? And they had to go back to their supervisor and everybody else. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I've got a U.S. <laughs> Army. ID card here. You can't be a lieutenant colonel in the army if you're not a U.S. citizen. Come on. 
Uh, they let me go in, but they wouldn't let my daughter go in because she didn't have a passport. I think I need to write a book about that border security and uh, what what is too far because it's not just border security. They they kind of just gate guards and everything. It's just a uh, common sense solution. Now I read on your on your bio too that you still do security consulting. Is that more along the lines of like low intensity stuff, or is that more? Yeah, I have. A, there's a couple of people I work for that, uh, and I only do just one to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on, and two because it's just a lot of fun. It's uh, just guys that I know from the unit that I just end up working with. So I do it about three times a year now. So I've really scaled back. Uh, I mean, when I first uh, left the army, I had to, you know, books weren't paying the, the freight. I still had to put my kids in shoes, and so. I did a ton of contracting at that point, like everybody else. And then now I just do it just because it's fun. That's really cool. Uh, one thing you just brought up, something really cool, is that a lot of – some I involved a lot of people who want to write books now, especially veterans. And a lot of people in LA, like LEOs, law enforcement, want to write books as well. Now, was this something that was just kind of in the back of your head and you're like, hey, you don't want to get my story out there? Or, or, you know, Did you grow up wanting to put your thoughts down on paper? Yeah, I just I was I've always been a voracious reader. Uh, I was the kid that your mom said turn off the flashlight and go to bed. <laughs> I've read every genre there is. Uh, just always been a real big reader. And in the back of my head, growing up, I was just always saying, you know, I think I'll write a book someday. And when I got down to the Citadel, um, I left the special mission unit, and it was like stepping off a bullet train and walking. I mean, I had all this time on my hands. It was you know <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning. I was like, what do we do next? And uh, so I designed a couple exercises, did some things with the cadets, and then told my wife, I think I'm going to write a book. And I thought it would stay on the bedside table. I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. It would be one of those things where, you know, your mom says, that's the best book ever, and that's about it. And uh, and then it sold. And so I had to make a choice. I'd come out on a promotion list of Colonel. The book sold. My daughter was there in high school. A lot of things were going on at that time. And uh, I decided to turn down the promotion and see if I could get writing a show yeah, and it worked out good because I'm seriously. This is one of the best series out there. I appreciate and, it. It's certainly no one's more surprised than me how it worked out. <laughs> it's tough, and you know when this came out, it was tough to find a realistic portrayal of like an operator. I mean, you you've had up to this point, it seemed like you know the last time there was like a really good series was jeez, I don't know, maybe the '90s. I can't even think of that what it was. But as far as a fiction series. With the realism of you know modern day operators, modern day war, they really hit the spot. And it you know it's semi realistic. I mean, there's some you know far fetched stuff in there here and there, but that's that's just the way yeah, it is. That's the main thing. People ask me, you know, how realistic is a book? And I said, well, you know, tactically at the gunfight level, it's realistic, but strategically at the operational level, the uh, if you really want me to write a book of what it's like, it'd be <laughs> 300 pages of PowerPoint briefings, and then the last six pages something would happen and it'd probably get the mission canceled. You yeah, and you, <laughs> nobody and wants to read that. I'm glad you brought that up at the tactical level because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's like you can, with, whenever I talk to authors, I'm always like, you know, especially if they're, they come from the SF community or the soft community or, you know, real-life police detectives, they have a different understanding of real – you know, you're not cocking a hammer back on the clock. You know, right. when you're when you're cleaning clearing rooms, you're actually clearing rooms. You're using real tactics. Yeah, I do, but I'll be honest with you. I, I there's a lot of times that I don't use real tactics, precisely because I don't want to put real tactics in a book. So it'll be some euphemism. A lot of times, uh, pipe will be outside the room and they're clearing the room, and you hear gunfire, but I'm not describing what's going on in yeah. the room or something like, 
you know, they float in the room like water from a burst bucket or something like that. But it's, I'm not talking about exactly what they do. Yeah, there's no TTPs. That's, that's what I meant. You could, but there's a sense of realism, man. I love it. Now, what, do you use any programs or we, when you first started out, was it like the Word, notebooks? No, it's just Word. I mean, I had, uh, I didn't want to get in trouble for writing on a government computer, so I'd bring my laptop to work and uh, banged away on Word. That's what I did. Actually, it was really ridiculous because uh, I'm still learning about the publishing industry, and I didn't know anything back then. So I took um, five hardcover books off my shelf, and I counted the words up in the first five pages and divided that out and figured out what's the average number of words on a page. And then I expanded my font on my Word document so <laughs> I would know that that's a page in a regular book. Now I write, you know, everything in the publishing industry is word count. They don't care about pages because it could be a paperback. It could be a bigger hardback, smaller hardback, whatever. But that time, that's what I thought I should do. <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. And nowadays, it's so much easier because uh, this last book I put out, I just put out, it, I call it a nonfiction novella. It's almost like a, a fiction novella, but it's, I just wanted to get a, a, a short point across, you know, 10, 15,000 words, and it was like boom. But I use a program called Scrivener. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking about trying it. Oh, it's it's amazing. I'm actually going <laughs> to, if you want to follow me or keep in touch, I'm actually going to be doing a uh, a webinar about how to use Scrivener because everybody asks me, how do you write a book? And I'm like, well, here's what you do. Scrivener lets you break it down into chapters, characters, any um, research you want to do, you can post the links into it. Yeah, and the main thing to, I wanted yeah. for was that at the bottom of my manuscript, which I'm writing my 15th book right now, at the bottom of it, I'll have all the names because you got to have, you know, there's always foreign names. Mm-hmm. So I've got to put them on there. And so when I want somebody's name, I'm going to cut and paste it. I've got to scroll all the way to the bottom of the manuscript, find that name, cut and paste. And I saw what Scribner could do. That alone would be worth it for me. But the rest of the stuff about hyperlinking this and that and the other thing, I, I might use, but I, I certainly would use that part. Yeah, and that's the great thing about Scribner. It's cheap. I think it was like 19 or 20 bucks. And it's cross platform. Well, I actually so. have the. Uh, I was just on the website like two weeks ago. It's coincidence she's mentioned this. There's something like a 60-day free trial. I'm like, hell, I'll finish the book by that time. <laughs> I would, you know what? I would definitely do it. And it's perfect if anybody's listening right now, which you know, my one or two people that listen. I'm just kidding. Um, it's great for <laughs> fiction and great for nonfiction, and you can break it up. It's really cool. So uh, I can't wait to get that video out there because so many veterans want to put their words on paper, regardless if it's fiction or nonfiction. And that's what's really cool about talking to veteran authors. Now, um, any big uh, publicity tours coming up? Like yeah, the, when the book comes out January 7th, um, I'm going all over the place. So uh, if anybody wants to know if I'm going to be in their area, the, uh, if you go to bradtaylorbooks.com and click on the events link, it'll have every city I'm going to and every place. It's a mix. I'm going to military bases and, you know, Barnes and Nobles and, and, um, private bookstores just all over the place. And it seems like everybody starts off with the poison pen. Is that kind of I actually am starting off with the poison pen, but that's, that's, that's <laughs> not been a, um, I haven't ordinarily done that. That's just the way it worked out this time. Because the hard thing is, like, I'm going to San Diego and I'm going to Atlanta. Well, that's a lot of flying. Yeah. And so you've got to time the, uh, uh, the events so that you're not, for instance, if you, if you did it where you went from San Diego to Atlanta, well, I'm losing, you know, four hours in the air just by the time change. And so by the time you hit the ground, you don't have anything going. So they, they try to make it so that it makes sense where you're going this way and that way, gaining time, losing time. But when you lose the time, it's okay, that kind of stuff. 
Now, one one thing I did want to ask is, are there any um, organizations like that you support as far as charities or anything like that? Yeah, Special Operations Warrior Foundation. Great, and we could find that. Uh, in the process of becoming ambassador for them. Oh, very cool. We're going to put up a link to that as well. Um, I've heard of those guys before. That's really cool. Love to have them on a podcast. They're they're present. Very cool. I'd like to get them on a podcast. And uh, anytime I could promote out charities and anything else like that, it'd be great. Yeah, that's a great charity. They they do a lot of good work. Very cool. Now, is there any advice you would have for uh, a veteran getting out of the service that wants to jump into the book industry? My biggest piece of advice would be, number one, you have to be able to – you want to – you, you have to want to write the book because you want to write a book. If you want to write the book because you want to make money, it's probably not for you. Uh, and so the first thing you need to do is just write the book. I get questions all the time from various uh, veterans. I mean, I've helped tons of veterans. I've talked to Matt Bedley, Joshua Hood, Jack Carr. All these guys have emailed me before they started writing uh, and gave them advice. And then it's really you've got to write the book. Um, I get sometimes somebody will send me, you know, I've got this great outline for a novel. How do I get somebody to pay me to write it? And that's not how the world works. They want a book. So the first thing I'd say is write the book. Don't worry about anything else but making that book the best book it can be. Uh, if you start worrying about how you're going to get an agent, how you're going to get a publisher and all that, that's that's secondary. The book is primary. You're selling a product. You're not selling yourself. Uh, I completely understand that, especially knowing the query process. I had Matt and Jack on before, and they're really – they have some great books too, and that's what I love about this yeah. whole new generation. And you're part yeah. of the new generation. This is, you know, the 2010, 20, uh, 2009 is when I first started picking up. Yeah, definitely. Well, Brad, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm not going to take up a bunch of your time, but uh, I look forward to running into you sometime and getting my signed copy of the uh, Hunter Killer and all the other books I've got. Yeah, I really appreciate my this. My pleasure. Check the links and see you at one of the events. I'm looking. Next time you're in D.C., hit me up. <laughs> oh, I'm always in D.C. We didn't go. We're not going to D.C. this year. I was in D.C. as well as in Fairfax last year. So. Yeah, it's right down the road from where I live. So next time you're in Fairfax. Yeah, we'll do. Well, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much.